Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church here in Covington, and it's a privilege to come to you by means of radio, and it's a delight that we can continue to share the good news of Jesus. It's the best news ever. It's the greatest, and uh, we're thankful that we have this opportunity, this uh, way of getting the good news out to you. And so to uh, some of our shut-ins and members of First Christian Church, along with so many folk in the community that are faithful listeners to the broadcast, we just want to welcome you in, and we're grateful that you're listening. And we're going to get right into the message of the day. And, you know, I've been doing a series of messages on the importance of the church. We've had some, uh, we've had some postponements and and we've had some uh, other ideas that we have brought in and guest speakers uh, that have kind of uh, been an interlude to uh, this uh, series. But I want to get back to it this morning because I think it's very important. You know, uh, God's original purposes for his church remain throughout the centuries God has not changed, amended, or postponed his plans and purposes for the church. Wars, epidemics, pandemics, social upheavals, moral revolutions, nothing has changed his mind or altered his plan. So, uh, so far in the series, we've covered three subjects concerning the church. Uh, unless God has sent you a recent memo, dear friends, the church is still the family of God. The church is still the family of God. Uh, in the Bible, in the scriptures, the church is called God's household, God's family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are born, again, believers, and Christ has adopted us into his family, uh, the church is still the family of God. And uh, the pandemic that we've gone through the last two and a half years, nothing and nothing else is going to change that. The church is still the family. Then we also, on another Sunday, notice that the church is still the kingdom of God. And Jesus is the king. Now, the church is the kingdom of God. We know that Jesus, in the in the model prayer, taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Jesus, in Matthew 16, referred to the church as my kingdom. And we've gone over the scripture in Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. And then we also notice that the church is still the body of Christ. The church is still the body of Christ. The church is referred to as the body of Christ over and over again. In fact, it's the most popular metaphor in the New Testament for the church. We are his body. And we took a, a look at uh, scriptures in the book of Ephesians that rehearsed that idea of the church being the body of Christ. And then we went to 1 Corinthians 12, where 18 times the Apostle Paul refers to the church as the body of Christ. Uh, so, we want to move into a new subject now. Uh, the church is still 
God's field and God's building and God's temple. And we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you have your Bibles, I, I hope that you'll turn there. Uh, and we're going to look at some very important scriptures there from the pen of the Apostle Paul. Uh, the, the church is still God's field, God's building, God's temple. You know, in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, For we are God's co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Now, the you there is a plural you. So that means a lot of people. That's talking about the church, not individual Christians. But together, we are God's field, and we are God's building. Let's take a brief look at these ideas. Uh, first of all, God's field. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, Paul talks about his work in the church. And he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. I love that phrase, only God can make it grow. But, of course, we have to do our part, don't we? And Paul says, I did my part. I planted the seed. He was an evangelist. He was a church planter. And another uh, great preacher, um, uh, he says, uh, Apollos, he watered the seed that I planted. Uh, I, I enjoyed recently reading about the Chinese bamboo tree. Don't know if you ever heard of the Chinese bamboo tree. Uh, the Chinese plant the seed, and they water and they fertilize it, but the first year nothing happens. The second year, they water and fertilize it, and still nothing happens. The third and the fourth years, they water and fertilize it, and nothing happens. And then, the fifth year, they water and fertilize it, and sometime during the course of the fifth year, in a period of about six weeks, the Chinese bamboo tree grows roughly 90 feet tall. It's amazing. Now, the question is, did it grow 90 feet in six weeks, or did it grow 90 feet in five years? Well, I personally think the answer is that it grew 90 feet in five years. Because had they not applied the water and the fertilizer each year, there would have been no growth at all. And you know, that reminds me of the growth of the church. Uh, sometimes we work real hard and we don't see many results at all. But we keep watering and we keep fertilizing because we know that one day God's going to make it grow. That's what God calls us to do. Maybe we plant the seed of the Word of God as often as we can into the hearts of as many as we can. And then we water it. And we trust Him to give us growth. Maybe somebody else plants the seed and, and I come along and water it and fertilize it. Uh, you see... There's one more form of growth that Paul talks about. Um, uh, the field. We are all workers in the field. Uh, Jesus talked about that. In Matthew 9, 37 and 38, he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers uh, into his harvest field. He said in John 4, verse 35, after he talked to the woman at the well, he said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're already ripe for harvest. We have to get out there in the field and work. That's still God's plan. And dear friends, as the Lord's church, we are his field. Now let's take a look at the building, shall we? The church is God's building, according to chapter 3 and verse 9 that we read earlier. And in verses 10 through 14, Paul goes on to explain more about that. Now, let me say this. I must tell you that approaching this subject of the church being God's building sort of scares me, alarms me. Because, you know, over the years, a major error of the Lord's people has been to think of the church as a building where they gather rather than the body of believers themselves. It seems the more that we stress that the church is the people and not the building, the more you hear people say, oh, we're going to go to church, and they mean we're going down to the building. Or, I went down to the church to help with a project and no one was there. Well, no, you went down to the building and the church wasn't there because none of the church members were there. Uh, but the Bible says that the church, the members, the body of believers is God's building. Now, how do I build the true church? Not with brick or mortar. Not with concrete or stone, the church is made up of living, spirit-empowered people, born again, saved by grace, delivered from the slavery of sin, and heirs of salvation and eternal life. Now, how do you build the church? How does God build his church? Well, you, you have to start with the right foundation. Take a look at verses 10 and 11 of 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says, by the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Now hold that thought of that, that phrase right there. Each one should build with care. But then in verse 11, he says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only foundation that we can lay if we want to build the true church. He's the cornerstone. And we could, we could take the time to look at all kinds of, of scriptures that talk about Jesus. Uh, the, the stone that was rejected became the head of the corner. It, it became the capstone of the church. We've got to begin with Jesus. We establish the church on the Lord on, on the person of Christ, not on personalities or programs or policies. And that's what Paul did. In, in fact, here in the scripture, he describes himself as a master builder, for, like an architect who laid the only foundation that would last, and that was Jesus. Uh, he, when he planted the church at Corinth, he began with a focus on Jesus Christ in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Paul said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's the foundation he laid, that of Christ. Every architect 
knows that the foundation of a building is crucial. And that's because the foundation determines the size, the shape, the strength of the structure itself. If you're ever inclined to go to San Francisco, the safest place to be in the middle is in the middle of the Golden Gate Bridge. Did you know that? Experts claim that that bridge will withstand an earthquake of 9.0 on the Richter scale. And that's because, number one, that bridge is so flexible. And number two, every piece of metal, every piece of concrete, all the pavement, all of it relates one piece to another to two giant cables that come up to two great piers that go down into bedrock. While flexible, everything connects to an unmovable foundation which cannot fail. And you know, in the same way, if we want to build a lasting, vibrant church, we must build it on the bedrock of Jesus Christ. He is the only foundation that can hold the church up in times of storm. Um, Flexibility is important as times change. God provides different opportunities for the church and for ministry in the church. He did that during the COVID pandemic. Many churches had to find their own way, uh, but not something brand new in order to get the gospel out. Jesus remained the foundation, the focal point of our ministry. Well, let's move on. Uh, we have to then build with care. We need, once the foundation is laid, we carefully build a quality structure using quality materials. Notice verses 12 through 13 of 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. You know, even if we have the right foundation, that doesn't ensure a lasting structure unless we use the right materials in growing the church. Paul compares our works, our ministries, our services as a church to the construction materials. And we can either build with flammable materials like wood, hay, or straw, or we can use precious materials like gold and silver, the stuff that lasts, the stuff that becomes more and more valuable as time goes by. These materials represent what we teach from the pulpit and what we teach in our Sunday school classes. They represent how we minister to people's needs in the community. If you know anything about the Corinthian church to which Paul writes here, uh, regrettably, the Corinthians were more interested in serve us than serve us. And I'm talking about S-E-R-V-U-S. What are you doing for us rather than what can we do for others? And immature Christians often follow those same footsteps. You know, we say, sometimes we hear people say, I'm looking for a church that meets my needs and blesses me. 
what you don't hear is people saying, I'm looking for a place to serve the Lord and be a blessing to others. But as we mature in Christ, you see, the focus of our lives should increasingly shift to living a life of service to others, not receiving, but giving. The mature follower of Christ stops asking, who's going to meet my needs? And starts asking, whose needs can I meet? Do you ever ask that question, dear friend? Whose needs can I meet? How can I be of service to those in need? I think of the old comparison between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea there in the Holy Land. It's still true. Galilee, uh, the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee is a lake full of life because it takes in water, but it also gives it out. In contrast, nothing lives in the Dead Sea because with no outflow, the lake is totally stagnated. And the same thing happens to Christians who aren't involved in, meaning, in meaningful service to others. We get a lot from our Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to give it back to others. Now, he talks in verse 13 about the day of testing that will prove the materials that we use to build the church. Um, do you remember the story of the three little pigs? You remember the first little pig built his house on straw, out of straw, and the second little pig built his house out of sticks. The third little pig worked hard, labored diligently. He built his house out of brick. Uh, the, the wolf, the big bad wolf, came along and said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And he sure did it with the straw house and the stick house. But he couldn't blow the brick house down because it was built right. It was built with the right materials. So Paul, the Apostle Paul here, dear friend, says the day, of, the day of testing is coming. Each one's work will become manifest for the day. The day will disclose, disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. We need to make sure we use the right materials, solid materials, gold, silver, precious stone, and that's going to pay off in the day of testing. Well, uh, we'll, we'll move right along. Uh, we, we need to make sure we maintain the church. We need to make sure that it's preserved from destructive forces. And, and here's where the word temple enters in. The Greek word for temple is naos, and it means a shrine or a sanctuary. Take a look at verses 16 and 17 of 1 Corinthians 3. He's, Paul says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anybody destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. Yes. Um, the word destroy here um, is, is translated in other versions. It's translated defile or corrupt. Uh, and it talks about the idea of corruption. It, it implies perhaps ongoing immorality or divisiveness or jealousy or competition. And if you've ever read or studied 1 Corinthians, you know that that church, uh, that, that, that church was hindered by all those things, immorality, division, jealousy, competition. 
and and the Lord says, or Paul says here, you know, you you the church, you're God's temple, and and if somebody destroys God's temple, the Lord's going to defile or destroy that person. Now, over in First Peter chapter two, there's there's some scriptures that complement. Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians 3. So I'd like to read uh, verses 4 and 5 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, Peter says there, As you come to him, the living stone. And he's talking about Jesus there. Of course, we've already seen he's the cornerstone of the church, haven't we? He's the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones or being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here we are again seeing that building. The church is the building. Uh, we, we have the living stone uh, as the, the foundation, the cornerstone. And then we are living stones, each of us, because we have the Spirit of the Lord in us. So as living stones, we're being built into a spiritual house or a temple. Uh, the church is so special. In verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Well, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, we kind of have a wrap-up of all the messages that we've seen so far about what the church is. So let me just read that to you. And I'll, uh, and I'll pause and say, you know, there's the family. So beginning in verse 19 of Ephesians 2, Paul says, Consequently, you're, you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. And remember, household is family. You're members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone and here comes the building. Verse 21 says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. There's the temple in the Lord. And in him too you are being built together to become a dwelling. And there's another word for a building, and that means a permanent residence. You, you, you have become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It's so important that we realize that the spirit is in us. And that's not just us as personal Christians. That's us as the church, the body, each of us together. He uses the word together there in verse 22 have become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Uh, do you realize how important the church is, dear friends? You know, when Christ 
established and planted his church, it, it became more glorious than anything ever known on earth. Um, in Ephesians 1.12, Paul says, In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. The church is glorious. Uh, it, the church is Jesus' prized possession. And we are indeed his field. And we are God's building. And we are God's temple. And we are God's uh, residence, permanent residence. He lives by his spirit in the church. I hope that if you're a Christian today, that you realize how important it is that you be a part of the body of Christ. And I know that if, if you're shut in, if you can't get out and go places, it's a little harder maybe for you to be a part of the church, but hopefully you've got a telephone. Or you can send out cards. Um, maybe you can have one-on-one -on -one fellowship with other folk who, who would come and visit with you. But it's very important that you see that you're a part of the building, dear friend. And God needs every part of his church, every block, every living stone. Are you a living stone? If you have the, the spirit of Christ, then you are. Thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. And we praise God for his church. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for our time together today. We're so grateful that we can be a part of the Lord's church. We feel so special in, in being one of the living stones of so many stones that form that building, that, that temple, that permanent residence in which God dwells by his spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the church. We ask these things and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.